0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall of Podcast, about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I know absolutely too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that is my cross to bear. With me, as always, is my co-host. She is the skeptic, the voice of the people, the little devil on my shoulder, Kristen stuttered, Hey, Kristen.
2: It's here to stay. Hello, hello, Joe.
0: Kristen, you are... uh joining us from what was supposed to be and what still will be a vacation, but for the next hour. (laughs) Truly.
2: (laughs) And also, yeah, I'm in central California. I'm near Morro Bay with my boyfriend's family. And it's usually about 70 degrees maximum. And this morning it's like 78 degrees. And so everyone's like, we got to hit the beach. And I was like, cool. I'm going to just head back to the house. Talk about the rock and roll hall of fame.
0: I have early inf June lints to deal with.
2: They were like, What are you talking about? I was like, How if I know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we are it's it's the last week of early inf June lints, our bad pun month, celebrating the category and inductees early influence through the, the rock and roll hall of fame. And we have a great guest with us. I'm very excited that she's joining us and you know we love a guest that comes with a strong recommendation from our friend Daphne Brooks,
2: absolute so, all-star guest, setting, one of the, my ba- setting the bar favorite. very
0: high. Uh, yes, she's an author, she's a scholar. Let's bring her in here, Gail Wald. Hey, Gail. Hey. Thank you nice for joining here. us. Let's give the the people, since you're new to the show, a little bit of a background uh, on who you are. We might as well start off with the fact that. Prior to her induction, you wrote a biography on Sister Rosetta Tharp.
1: That's right. So I teach at George Washington University. It's hard, it's a hard act to follow Daphne Brooks, um, but I'll do my, (laughs) but I'll do my best. Um, I'm happy to be recommended by her. Let's just put it that way. I published a biography of Rosetta Tharp in 2007. It's called Shout Sister Shout, the untold story of rock and roll trailblazer Sister Rosetta Tharp. It's actually coming out in a second edition, I think in 2023. Um, but partly because the story has changed so much since when I first published the book. Well, um, I mean, she's in the rock hall, which is probably the biggest news. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm like kidding.
1: The untold, <laughs> the untold story thing still kind of, you know, it. look, untold story is a little bit of a, it's a cliche that tells a reader what they think they're going to get. But right, the story is not quite untold anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's, here's a weird thing that kind of surprised me. I was watching the movie, Death on the Nile. And there's a character who isn't technically Sister Rosetta Tharp, but she is. And she's singing exclusively Sister Rosetta Tharp songs. And I was shocked, like this big studio movie, I, I just wasn't expecting it.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that was, okay, full disclosure, I've known about this film since before it came out because everyone who knows what I, my investment in Rosetta Tharpe mm-hmm. let me know about it. And I've been like, I don't know why I'm just resistant to seeing it. I don't. There's no reason. So I, mean, there I no, d-
0: d- looking at the actors, there's yeah. some reasons that you would want to stay away from I will say that the
2: woman who plays the 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 character, the Rosetta Tharp character, is the best actress in that movie. I didn't think the movie was. I watched it when I had COVID, so maybe you know I had like a bit of a foggy <laughs> brain at that point. But I remember being like, that woman is so like beautiful and charismatic there was like every time she was on screen i was like the movie should be about this woman <laughs> a character that is like not really even
1: in the source material because they
0: mm-hmm.
1: isn't, that uh, a, isn't it a kenneth branagh uh production yes yeah he directed yeah, so it so i wondered you know he's kind of the right vintage to be someone who might have known about rosetta tharp when he was young um or like kind of that generation that really was into american blues gospel uh-huh. blues. so i wonder if there's a Kenneth branagh in the people that. who went on to oh my gosh what is it
2: skiffle exactly the people <laughs> who <laughs> went on the people who went on to skiffle these are things i do know can you believe mm-hmm. i remembered that i almost said skitter but then i remembered it <laughs> yeah and i'm
0: impressed i'm impressed thank you but yes yeah, so i mean you you kind of told the story when it was quote unquote untold and then you know a, about 11 years later she was inducted into the hall was there any personal involvement
1: in terms of, I mean, my giant, my giant lobbying campaign. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would you like
2: to take credit? I will say Joe is someone who likes to take credit for the hall noticing things. Um, so you'd be in good company if you, in any way, were like, you know, it might have
1: been me. Well, the, you know, the book definitely. Look, if I hadn't written, it's not like Rosetta Tharp was totally forgotten or that the story was untold it was untold for certain audiences and it was she was certainly not known but then after the book was published you know there were this this like kind of slow kind of gathering of steam around her and i think at a certain point which started with just a, a fan who was kind of an entrepreneur in philadelphia was like, oh, I read Restla. your book. He's in not an- no, not, yes, if only. Yes, I-, I-, I would drop that name if I could. <laughs> was like, oh, we should do a tribute concert and raise money for a-, a headstone. So I was helpful with that, but I'm not a producer of concerts and he did that. And of course the concert didn't, the concert, which was, lovely and amazing. The Dixie hummingbirds were there. Odetta was there. Of course, a concert at a small club in suburban Philadelphia breaks even, doesn't even break even. So it didn't quite raise money for a a gravestone, Mm -hmm. but eventually people chipped in for a gravestone. Her friend was located Rosetta Tharp's friend to write the epitaph and kind of like it took off like a little locomotive, you know, gathering steam. And there was a documentary that came from a British documentarian and, you know, When more and more musicians start shouting her out, and you know, went back to recently, I had a reason to go back to watch Johnny Cash's induction ceremony.
0: Mm, Yeah, from like 92. Yeah.
1: He spends like, you know, he doesn't have that much time up there. I think he spends like 45 seconds or a minute talking about Rosetta Tharp. Wow. And really, that should have been enough. get folks thinking like this was johnny cash and he was like this is my favorite performer so you know like johnny cash said that well before i started researching rosetta tharp
0: you're right and a good 26 years before she eventually was inducted should Mm -hmm. not have taken that long right were you involved like did you write the essay
1: in the program I did year? get to write the essay, you know, they give you, they don't pay you for that, but you get a ticket to go.
2: Ooh, now do you get a good ticket Were you like at a table kind of ticket
1: or You're do a you get you at a table with nosebleed? the other writers. You're at a table okay. with Lewis, which is fun because everyone's totally, you know, you get the commentary. Yes, everybody's, mm. it would be
2: like sitting next to us, uh, exactly. but we're in the nosebleeds generally. Um, <laughs>
1: but you, and you also get the good food.
0: Okay, you get okay. the okay. Like you get the yeah. food.
2: I mean, no. I've only
1: done it once, but mm-hmm. I was impressed with you. There was a bento box of dessert.
2: Okay. Oh, okay. See? All right. But was there like a $14 Bud Light?
1: Um, okay. <laughs> I didn't have Just to pay, checking. so I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: So that's that's the, the difference between our experience, I suppose, than the experience at the table's Okay, so that's that's awesome that you got to go and see the induction. 2018, Sister Rosetta Tharp, I'd say, was a, was a real highlight of it, otherwise. Kind that of was a dismal year, year,
2: in my opinion, as far as the induction ceremony was concerned. But the highlight was absolutely Sister Rosetta Tharp and then Nina Simone's induction were both handled quite
1: well that year. You know, and even if you weren't having, you know, like, been in the room and trying to be objective about it, even if you had been there for some of the other groups... Brittany Howard and Felicia Collins were so good. And, you know, that performed clearly like people were energized by that. They didn't necessarily come to see Rosetta Tharp inducted. Maybe they wanted to see Lauren Hill induct Nina Simone, Mm -hmm. but I felt like, wow, the people did not come for this performance, this induction, but you could tell that like. People like woke up.
0: That's really cool. E- even if it's like a Bon Jovi fan, you know, it's like that night. It's like, there's so, and it's funny to think of like, thank you for writing this article. Here's tickets to a Bon Jovi concert uh, <laughs> on some level. That was your,
1: you know, the only thing that disappointed me, if I can say that about the night is there was, and, and this isn't, you know, this isn't the fault of the producers of the thing, but there was like no connection really between Nina Simone, Rosetta Tharp, and the other, I think, all living, mostly living recipients who were inductees. So it was like, you know, what you wanted was like Johnny Cash there to say, oh, you know, this is important. Um, Like, so there, I felt like there were like two different, you know, I wish there had been like more of a bridge made. Mm.
0: Right. Yeah. Because there's definitely one to draw if you make the effort. Are you going to go to the induction <laughs> this year? Because you're writing the essay on Elizabeth Cotton.
1: I don't go unless I write <laughs> like, yeah, like so yeah, it seems like a, you.
0: <laughs> if you want to accept yeah. payment, you better take that ticket. Yeah,
1: exactly. So um, yeah, I think I, if I could swing the airfare, I think the, you know, airfare from DC to Los Angeles is like $5,000. Yeah, now. no, yeah, flights, no are, uh... flights are so cheap right now. Just popping around the country. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But um, yeah. So I'll I'll try to make it, you know if I could afford to, I only get the ticket, not the not the flight or the hotel. So,
0: I yeah, that's ah, uh, that's really too bad. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, but I'll, I'll I'll try to go.
0: If I can a- ask um some kind of minutiae that you might think is uninteresting, but is a little <laughs> you might you might also say is the bread and butter of this show. What is the process of getting to write that article like who reaches out to you and you know was this an established relationship because you had written the Rosetta Tharp article um and then like if that's the case then who reached out to you then
1: so the fantastic cultural critic music critic Holly George Warren Mm. um has I take it a you know has been doing this for a while so she edits for the, she's maybe, uh, you know, works for the rock hall to produce the booklet that people mm-hmm. get. So she's like the, the main editor of it. And I think she, we knew of each other from overlapping worlds. We know each other. And she knew I wrote, I wrote a biography of Rosetta Tharp, So it, it made sense, I think. Okay. Um, so it's not, so she's, yeah. she's an excellent, you know, she's the, the brains behind the putting that together.
0: Right. And, So, I mean, it's obvious you're kind of an obvious pick to write the one for Rosetta Tharp, uh, because of there's a published book, but for Elizabeth Cotton, what was, uh, why do you think they reached out to you?
1: I don't know. You know, okay. So right now I'm working on a biography of the eminent children's musician, Ella Jenkins. Mm Mm-hmm. Who's in Chicago? Who's 97 years old? Who's Folkways' best-selling artist of all time? Who invented children's music? That's a little, a little inflated, but not quite. I, you know, so at first I was like, "Oh, Libba Cotton," you know, I don't know. And then I realized that Libba Cotton is like in the Venn diagram between Rosetta Tharp and Ella Jenkins. The project that I'm working on now. There's this kind of interesting overlap and actually it was really super, actually the person I'm, this this didn't make it into my, I only had you know like uh, a thousand words so it's not a, it's like four double spaced pages so it's not a lot of manuscript but it turns out that Ella Jenkins, when Libba Cotton came to uh, debut, well actually it was the first University of Chicago Folk Festival in 1961 and Libba Cotton was a featured performer and she was kind of getting out there for the first time Black woman, 1961 Chicago, who did she stay with? Ella Jenkins. So I got to ask Ella, and they didn't really know each other. And Libba Cotton is, Ella is 97 now, and she was Mm -hmm. born in 1924. Libba Cotton was born in the 19th century. so She was like a quarter of a century older than Ella then. Um, so she would have been, um, you know, like another generation, but, uh, Lib- And so I asked Ella, you know, what does she remember about Libica Cotton? And she was like, Oh, she was really interesting. And then she told me and this didn't get to make it in that she had the most musical snore. Of anyone she's ever <laughs> met. Wow. wow. She'll Never forget how musically she snored.
0: That's it. That's incredible. <laughs> what a great piece of information. And that's a
1: nugget <laughs> yeah. for everybody out there.
2: Okay.
0: Did that, a, did that make that's the in essay?
2: BTS? It's not in. She only had she only had so much manuscript and the snore didn't get in. The secondhand See, telling of the snore did not say, make it.
0: I say release the snore cut. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that man, that's that's so great.
2: I just really quickly want to talk back to Rosetta Tharp before we move because I feel like we're going to mm-hmm. move forward sure. from now. Something I didn't know, I was just doing a quick Google about Rosetta Tharp. I was thinking about her while we were talking, and I an article came out this morning saying the artist that it's on Vulture 8 a.m. dropped this morning the influences of Rosetta Tharp because I guess she's in this new Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie. Yes, yes, Yola. Yola. Yes. A woman named Yola, a British singer from uh, Massive Attack, plays her in the new Elvis movie. And so she's going to even get more. You thought uh, Death on the Nile had something? This woman's actually playing her and
1: named. Yeah, Right. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for Rosetta, you know, for people to, because Yola's popularity, the splash around this movie, I'm really curious to see. How it works. The trailer looked a little iffy to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll see.
0: It looks frantic. It a and- uh, Baz
1: Lerman movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. I believe it. I, I guess I can believe it. It also looked to me like Elvish, El Elvish. Elvis, it's maybe that's the word. Uh-huh. Elvis fetish. Elvish. Elvish. Yeah. That like, yes. I, you know, like kind of like, you know, intense a lot focused on the actor's body, that kind of stuff. And I, so I'm really curious to see, does the world need Elvis fetish now? And if you're going to do it, can you do it in a way that makes us feel like we need it? We need this version to be told. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious
2: about it. I'm, I wonder, I haven't seen literally anything about it other than we're in a group text about trying to all go see it <laughs> together. Yeah, right. That's all I know. Um, and I think I actually, I think I lost in that battle. Joe's going out of town next week. And so they're going to go see it this week while I'm out of town, uh, which is very rude. Likely uh,
0: we'll see, we'll see how it all pans out. Or if people want to go back to the movies to see it again oh and boy. again,
2: we're back to the movies. The movies are back It comes out this Friday. Yes, yeah. it does. We- it yeah, does. yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's coming out. That's so that's wild. Yeah, that Sister Rosetta Tharpe is in a
2: she's eight
0: a.m. second drop movie.
2: Culture. <laughs> uh,
0: within right. about a year or so. That's um,
1: right. And Lizzo's guitarist when Lizzo played SNL. There's been a lot of name drops in a great way. When Lizzo played SNL, her guitarist Salise Salise, who goes by Salise one name, wore an outfit that was like clearly inspired by Rosetta Tharp and had a Gucci guitar strap that said sister on it. That was a nice little for Yola, uh, for, for Lizzo fans, Mm -hmm. Um, Janelle Monae and Lizzo had this talk together in this um, online magazine called them. And they talked about Rosetta as this influence on a new generation of women, especially Mm -hmm. black queer women, non-binary people. So you know, interesting. I think these like contemporary artists who are like talking about her is making it interesting. Yes.
0: Yeah, and and what a what a welcome conversation.
2: Yes. And now Big Mama Thornton needs to get a freaking movie
1: deal or something. I'm curious. Like, what do we have to do?
0: I. I she and might she's be. Not
1: in the, she's not in the Elvis.
0: That was going to be my question because she seems know. like a much more direct, I don't, uh, you know, influence when it comes to, you know, specifically the song Hound Dog, obviously. Yeah. And it doesn't. We we have no intel. I guess we would have heard if. if I, don't so. I don't think.
1: I don't think since I've been like. Well, I'm not the expert on this, but I've been following this Lerman film for a long time because I knew that you know. So and I haven't seen anything about. So it's kind of interesting the choice, like Little Richard's in it. There's a Little Richard character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's another, I feel like there's another one. Clearly I'm unprepared for this discussion. No, hey, this portion, nobody's seen the
2: movie. We don't know. I I googled the article exists. That's all I know. Um, Um,
0: Yeah, I think I want to say there's some some nod to her, but it might not be like, I I think maybe her version of Hound Dog is in the movie or on the soundtrack or, or something. So I I am sorry, I, I got I got distracted because it was like Doja Cat shuns yeah, Elvis. I just Big saw Mama that Thornton. and I was
2: like, wait, what? And then no, but that already came out. Elvis biopic finds its little Richard, Big Mama Thor oh, and so Nor.
0: It seems like there is Oh, she is in there? Yeah. It seems it seems like she she might be in there. I'm looking at uh
2: Yeah, um, a Shadow and Act.
0: Uh shanka D-Dakure is the actress. Yeah, so it looks like Big Mama might, in fact, be in this movie.
1: All right, we take back everything. I so you'll just have to edit it all (laughs) out.
0: Yeah, Um, but let's talk about this kind of category in general, and like what has happened to it, and you know where it's at now, and where it might go. Because you know this was relatively established pre-rock acts. This is the early influence category in the Rock Hall. This is where pre-rock acts go and you can kind of it's a, maybe a slightly blurry line but you can kind of determine who that qualifies for robert johnson right. uh acts like that who are pretty definitively before the rock explosion but the the category has always been kind of flexible howland wolf was inducted as an early influence and even though you could obviously look at when he was releasing music and who his peers were and, you know, why is Muddy Waters in as a performer, but Helen Wolfe is in as an early influence. And then they started to get looser with it in more recent years, 2009, yes. we saw <laughs> Wanda Jackson, right who that's, you know, she's early, she's early rock era Freddie right. King in in 2012. Similarly, I think his his first, Recordings are like 1960 or 1959, uh, and then last year was really when it feels like the category exploded uh, in terms of its definition.
1: Craftwork, craftwork, yeah. and
0: Gil Scott Heron.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, all right, that it feels like we've taken a, a very sharp turn into reimagining what this category could mean. And I'd say, you know, I, there there are sticklers who might say this is against the whole idea behind it. But also if you think about when the Rock Hall started inducting people in 1986, and if you take, okay, say 1936 was 50 years before then. And now that we're in 2022, 50 years before is, you know, 1972. So you know, is this a thing that can shift and it continues to make sense or is it completely insane?
2: Joe, you know how I feel, which right. is who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, put them in however you got to get them in. Just do it. Let's just do this. Come on.
0: Yeah, well, it's like if you're putting in, like obviously craftwork and Gil Scott Heron in particular, when they were inducted, it seemed like the emphasis was on their influence on hip hop. Mm-hmm. And it was an acknowledgement that the rock hall was going, you know, we're going down this hip-hop road. We had for a while, that year in particular, we saw the for the first time two hip-hop inductees, L O Cool J and Jay-Z. So it felt like worth an acknowledgement. But when you, when you start to do this, you also start to wonder, like, kind of any artist can be designated an influence if you want to be creative enough.
1: Mm-hmm. It's hard to even think about this because the whole... Okay. It's called the rock hall, rock and roll hall. And, and so, but the whole originating way of like separating a period was so arbitrary, mm-hmm. and really based on like racialized cultural politics that it's like impossible. I mean, we, I kind of like with Kristen, like we have this thing, but like the idea of, of rock and roll hall of fame was so in some ways arbitrary and in some ways intentional that, like there's nothing to be done with it except, <laughs> except be in this mess. And so early influences, like it's so weird that early influences like keeps marching forward mm-hmm. as the as the definition of rock becomes like more I, malleable, I more yeah. Mu- yeah, more malleable. So it was like, what are more... we even talking about what's the early and you know, the early influence also, you know, especially in the rock halls? Well, I don't know. I have to go back and look. Joe, you know this, mm-hmm. but like it's been this repository of you know a lot of a lot of Af- african american musicians you know so it it ends up having this you know, like you can't help but notice well and you know we have had this discussion before too with the
2: regards to the idea of the front door versus the side door with the hall meaning more like getting voted in on the ballot is kind of considered the front door in a lot of ways you know that's like you're going in the way that god intended that jan intended you know (laughs) but like then sometimes they'll try and try to get an artist in or an act in and then they'll put them in through kind of the side door in just in you know induct them like they did that for Nile Rodgers with um musical excellence and things like that after having him on the ballot so many times and things like that and and it can feel like it's a slight you know it can feel like this isn't official or whatever and it's like it, it also kind of shows you what is going on with the voters as well. And kind of the one of the major problems is that the voters are not diverse. And so like in ducks, like, et cetera, et cetera. And then also like the idea that like pre-rock and roll is was when rock was black, and then when it it was white, that's when it became rock and roll. You know, yeah. it's like before that's, yeah, that's then a very good point. it was black music, and then after it, it's rock and roll. And rock and roll is for white men, or I guess in the fifties it was for white teens. But you know, of both uh, genders, right? Just, and two genders only. I'm sorry. That's exactly <laughs> the but problem. Like, you yeah. know,
1: if you call it rock and you know the Rock Hall, or rock and roll hall of fame, and if you predicate it on like when does it become when does it become like a cultural icon? Then you're talking about, right. It, 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 like there's no way of like the foundational moment is kind of problematic. Mm-hmm. So there's no way out of it. Yeah. Right. We're just living with the imperfect rock hall. Mm-hmm. And we
2: we really are living with the imperfect rock <laughs> hall. I'm living with <laughs> it you know, every yeah. week somehow, even
1: when I'm on vacation.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> now more than ever.
1: But Libby Cotton's story is, you know, I did a, a week long more than a week long, like dive into Libba Cotton in a way that I had never before. And that story is kind of incredible. And and it also Libba Cotton like ties together in a really interesting way, kind of blues, folk, you know, what's called folk music and blues and skiffle Mm because Libba Cotton comes like influences rock first through skiffle. You know, so she actually is at the intersection of all these things. And also she doesn't become famous till she's old. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's an interesting thing that sometimes happens. And if you're a, a stickler, then I like, get in your craw. But, you know, so, someone like Elizabeth Cotton, who, yes, these songs she wrote when she was very young, we're talking like the early 20th century, uh, <laughs> when she was writing these big songs, but they were not popular until, you know, the, the Seeger family kind of amplified her music. And but by then it was the early 60s. So even though the music dates back, certainly from the era that this category is used to, it was not really heard until the, the quote unquote rock era. And so okay. it's, it's, kind, it's like it, complicated.
1: They should call it early, early influence. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> right. Let's just, yeah, we should take every inductee and see how many earlies they earn. Uh, but then like, I don't know, it's like we, we had a conversation about Harry Belafonte last week, who, you know, hmm. his influence on rock and roll really was not musical. It, it's like if you are- It's like to, cultural. Cultural and political. It, it, like if you're to find the most meaningful- influences and that and that's kind of unusual for I mean like I guess you could make the argument you know someone maybe like Pete Seeger whose you know political message was maybe had more of a profound impact on uh rock and roll than the music but uh with Belafonte it's like Calypso at there was a time when that was positioned as the opposition to rock and roll
1: that's right mm-hmm
0: and so, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like you said, Kristen, it's, it's the side category. It's, it's kind of shuffling someone in and let's not forget. And this is, this is, this is easy to forget, but Sister Rosetta Tharp was on the ballot that year.
2: Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Which is so unusual. Again, that's very
2: strange because she is so clearly early influence in the sense that they have used the category before.
0: You, you see that and you're immediately like, well, I guess that's nice maybe in terms of visibility for a longer period of time uh, becomes part of the discussion when the ballot goes out, but he kind of knew that she was going to be put in as an early influence
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, and that's not, you know, a violation of, of the category really by any means. It's actually a good one and should have been way earlier. Yeah. So I want to I want to talk about kind of where this category could go, the different avenues we could go down we could spend, I don't know, 100 hours talking about it, (laughs) given how broad the category has become. But before we do that, let's just, uh, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll get deeper into the early influence category. So we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you... Uh, made sure made, your
2: cats were all right.
0: Made sure they were safe and sound. Okay, so this early influence category, there's a lot of places it could go, especially with it being kind of blown up last year. So we maybe should give some context as to where this has been. We have an episode that is kind of about the history of the category that I would say is a great resource. We re-ran it a few weeks ago, but if you haven't listened to that, that is with an unrelated- elijah wald
1: Mm. elijah yeah (laughs) we call each other cousins we're not we like to call each other cousins
0: yeah but you know this category has been part of the rock hall since the beginning of the inductions and they used to use it quite liberally in the beginning there would be three or so early influence inductees every year for the first you know dozen years or so of the rock hall. And then it started to fade away. And then we would see it every few years, you know, by mm-hmm. the time sister Rosetta was inducted, there hadn't been an early influence inductee since 2015. So, you know, it was every few. And now though, there has been some sort of shift, which is good to utilize these side categories more than usual. We had three, Last year, we have two this year. So, and, it, and we, had, we had said before they had changed it, do at least one a year. Like we know you're not gonna devote that much time to it at the ceremony anyway. Yep. It's not going to affect things like just, and there's such a rich backlog of artists that you can induct here. Just do some, and they are doing some now to their credit. So
2: yeah, to their credit, good for them. Uh, So like
0: when we talk about where this could go, even using the old definition of this category, and like a lot of the inductees for early influence were like old blues artists, like pre-rock blues guitar guys. There's still like a ton of those that could, if you wanted to just stick with that very strict narrow definition, and like, what I did was I just like looked at the blues hall of fame and looked at their first class. And like, there's a lot of overlap, but there's still a number of artists, whether it's big bill, Brunsey, lightning Hopkins, Sunhouse, blind limit, Jefferson, Memphis mini, and either Sonny boy Williamson, which there is a one and two, they are not father and son. They are just different guys. So there's like plenty to draw from, from that category, I think the most exciting of those would be Memphis Mini, just because we're used to yeah. dudes. But to get a woman in there would be atypical and, you know, was unusual uh, and, you know, would be something to to celebrate.
1: Wouldn't that be something? Have you talked about the word influence? I mean, I, you know, maybe it's just me, but the <laughs> word influence is so complicated. You know, influence is a word that has to refer to the more important thing right it's by definition influence means like it's kind of subordinated in some way i mean like, mm-hmm. like it kind of is singled out as like this is the thing that helped this thing happen and so that makes it seem but there's a way that influence is really just re- rolling out the red carpet for the other thing there's a way i could never get pl- past the word influence because it again it's all about like what like what did it lead to it influenced yeah. and what? i mean this is, this is kind of a you know, this is this was a, a thing I thought a lot about when I was writing about Rosetta Tharp. At some point, you know, how do you write a book about someone like Rosetta Tharp and not have it be about she influenced Elvis and Johnny Cash? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Bob Dylan or whatever. How do
2: you make it that she herself was enough and not what she led to
1: right. was so more that- important or somehow more meaningful than- Because those are the bigger names. And so how do you mm-hmm. do that- and, and kind of igno- like, and that's an important piece of the story without mm-hmm. like somehow like doing the same thing in your own storytelling. I remember early, early, early on when I was like, I don't know if I can write a whole book about Rosetta Tharp. I don't even, there's not enough information about her. And I was talking to someone who was like in the book business and was like, was well, you could write something about like Rosetta Tharp to, at the time, this dates it, you know, to Courtney Love or something. And I was like, no, it, it, that's not.
0: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um,
1: like, you know, you know, that that like it would have to crescendo into something that people know about or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm stuck. I get stuck on influence. I, you know, again, it's like we just gotta work with these words, but it's mm-hmm. a bad word.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. And when it comes Probably down to early master,
1: even would be like I, I don't know, master's a look, like, master's a terrible word too. But yeah. Another like, one, yeah. Rage.
0: Well, <laughs> worth worth pointing out the the original designation for this category was forefathers.
2: Ew. Whoa. Wow. Forefathers and Sidemen. What have we wrought?
0: Right. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Let's all right.
2: God. So Influences it. is a major <laughs> upgrade. Yeah, so that's not <laughs> good. Well, that's the other, the, the musical excellence category used to be called Sidemen. Oh. Yeah. So, so there, it was it
0: was completely gendered uh, for, for both of these.
2: Sorry. I got us off track, but. No, I, this <laughs> is helpful and, and important.
0: No, no, no. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, it's worth pointing out like who, when you look at the influence for some of these and, you know, it's been pointed out before that Robert Johnson, to pick an example, was an artist who was not particularly popular or influential in his time. His real significance comes down to the fact that when the kind of British guitar nerds rediscovered his music much later, then mm-hmm. that's for the rock hall made him a first year, early influence inductee.
1: Dang. Thank you, Elijah Wald, for telling that story, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a little, libico- It's actually now that you say it, it's a little Libby Cotton-ish in the sense that, yeah, it was like the same generation that discovered her. mm mm-hmm. um, Except that she, well, I'm sorry, I'm getting us on Libba Cotton again, but That's fine. she wasn't even, I mean, Robert Johnson was a professional entertainer, right? And we know from work like Elijah Wald's that like, he had this giant repertoire that when he recorded, what we have is maybe just a tiny, tiny slice of what he did, the blues work that he did, right? So that even like kind of the way that he gets categorized as a blues player, maybe obscures the kind of wide repertoire, the kind of work that he did. But Libby Cotton's complicated because she was not an entertainer. She made music for herself. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, from the interviews that she did, it doesn't seem like she was unhappy with what happened later in her life, but she never set out to be an entertainer. So it's even like a layer more complicated. So anyway.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it also kind of comes down to where is this person going to fit in the rock hall based mm-hmm. on... The system that's set up now. You put Elizabeth Cotton on the ballot, she's not going to get the votes. She's a relatively mm-hmm. obscure figure in comparison to Eminem and Duran Duran. <laughs> you know, it's like putting uh, okay. her on that same ballot is, I guess, laughable. maybe to
2: you, maybe to you, <laughs> but for me, I mean, and all the other contents out there. Uh, but okay. yeah, you
0: know, so it's like, all right, then do we create new categories or do we try to fit these artists into the pre existing mm-hmm. ones? Just hope nobody gets too pedantic about it.
1: <laughs> but- I have a Durant Grant story.
0: Oh, please. Yeah. It's Wanna...
2: not about a snore, though. It's not okay. No well, all right. So I'll see if I can stay awake for
1: it then. Hey, right. I'm done. My family moved to England for a year, and I saw Duran Duran at De Montfort Hall in Leicester, England. And then when I came back to the U.S. I had a Duran Duran t-shirt, and it was like thought of like I was so avant-garde. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and okay. then... My mother, I guess when we were on, okay, this is not as good a story as the snore, which was really a marginal story already. But my mother (laughs) went to the beach or something. This was in England, and because she had a teenager who liked Duran Duran, I guess no, this was this was after this was like before Duran Duran was famous in the U.S. Anyway, my American mother runs into simon (laughs) laban but knows who he is amazing no one in the u.s knows who he is and so she sent me all these pictures because he wasn't being mobbed at places Mm because you know so she has all these i've all these pictures of my mom and simon laban and those are pictures that were taken on a film camera i'm sure on a film camera on a film camera and i rediscovered them the other day i was like oh that's Simon LeBon, he's a friend of my mom's. <laughs> yeah,
2: I can relate to this story because I too spent a year living in England. Okay, um, we, don't, no, need to, we no. don't need to hear about this. <laughs> and I never talk about it. Comes um, up a lot. I've,
0: it's uh, instant I, I, cred for for Kristen. Look, I've just cultured. lived abroad,
2: and I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> it's probably uh, it's probably clear in my countenance, but you know, I I do. I've you probably I've lived been, in London. I lived in Leicester. Mm. I lived in London and I lived in Edinburgh, you know, Mm. I'm cultured. All right. All right. All right. Moving on riveting stories over.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, uh, speaking of great Britain um, Mm. and, and kind of what we were talking about, the fact that like, if Eric Clapton and Ronnie Wood liked you, then you're like a good candidate for this early influence, at least or you would have been in like kind of the traditional early days of of this category. There's just, there's so many to go through. We won't get lost, but Arthur, Big Boy, Crudup, Leroy Carr, Wynoni Harris, Roy Brown, we could lose hours, but that alone is one way to populate this category. Uh, But you can go to other genres too, like, for example, jazz. That's right. You know, obviously part of how we define rock and roll, it's like the blending of a lot of different genres. And the hall has gone to the jazz well before for this category. And usually they tend to go with the big names. But I'm surprised Ella Fitzgerald has not. That just oh. seems like such yeah, a. Wow.
1: Yeah, wow. And then an-
0: another one, Sarah Vaughn.
1: Even more for me, even more than Ella Fitzgerald, but Arafat's like it's the thing is, if you ask musicians who they listen to, you don't necessarily hear it overtly in their music. But I don't know how much anyone ever talks to musicians about this because you hear, you know, rock musicians saying, you know, like my favorite singer was my favorite singers were Sarah Vaughn and Frank Sinatra you know, mm-hmm. and that's who I wanted to be, even though I was doing something different from what they were doing, but that's what I had in mind, whether, whether that's a kind of sound quality or a kind of charisma or whether it's whatever it is. And right, like, so that it's kind of really surprising that those two vocalists, Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn, or even a Memphis, I'm thinking of like some of mm-hmm. these women, like I, cause I feel like musicians have big ears, you know, and they listen to mm-hmm. all kinds of things and um, they get put in boxes, but they don't listen in boxes.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's that trickiness with the influence. Like, how do you define it? Like, does it have to, how directly does it have to inspire the music
2: Mm -hmm. that
0: comes after it? And like, maybe it's a, it's a little trickier to decode. And sometimes it is easier I mean, with like Memphis Mini, it's it's kind of easy because it's like she wrote when the levee breaks. Levee
2: keeps on rain, going to rain. Okay, I can I can see uh-huh. where that goes, how
0: that satisfies the rockist, the more discerning rockists, who then can see. Okay, I know that song, biggest rock band of all time. Like there, got it, got it. Got it. Keeps on rain, levee's now, uh, and someone who's come up on this show before, and this was probably Elijah Wald's biggest pick for who should be in this category is Count Basie. Mm-hmm. And he's another person who's kind of, you could say from the jazz side, but kind of the the way he was as a band leader. And I think the, the what he was able to do at the, that in that regard kind of led to what rock and roll would become. He was like the house band on like, some Alan Freed rock and roll dance party. And here's the king of rock and roll himself, Alan Freed! Thank you, Bern Bennett, and welcome to our Camel rock and roll dance party, starring one of the greatest names in music, the swingin'est band in the land, Count Basie and his orchestra with Joe Williams. You know, someone who coined the term rock and roll, like Count Basie was, in his orchestra were kind of like there at the big point that, you know, made... Cleveland, the place for the actual museum.
2: Place that rocks.
0: But yeah, and I think also about pop, and you brought up Frank Sinatra, and that's an interesting one to try and pull apart because he hated rock and roll, and he was he was very adamant about it, and when he was involved with having his own label, one of the only rules was no rock and roll.
2: Which, you know, what a great call. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not going to sell a lot of those type of records.
0: I mean, on some level, it's almost like too big to fail in, in the terms of like, yeah, Frank Sinatra, like influenced a lot of people, like no doubt, including those who he hated.
2: Uh-huh. But like mm-hmm. the, the shadow
0: that's cast is so is so long. And you wonder if that will ever be you wonder what because the other thing is like, what's the priority with with the hall in this category? Do they need to include someone like Frank Sinatra? What would be the point?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I think that the category serves as reparations. Right? Yeah. So Frank Sinatra like doesn't work. Yeah. On yeah, a few I
0: levels, can... yeah. <laughs> a super famous dead white guy. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Like those,
0: those are like the three things to that I think of. It. It's like someone who maybe wasn't super famous. And so you can shine a light on them. Uh, mm-hmm. someone who doesn't fit the, who's not a white guy, someone who is traditionally, you know.
2: Marginalized. Mm-hmm.
0: That we can kind of cast the net wider diversity wise. And then someone who's not alive. It's like, the other thing is like, try, you know, I'm, I'm thinking particularly about Harry Belafonte. Usually the inductees in this category are not living, but I do think mm-hmm. there is gotta be some priority in terms of you look at someone like Harry Belafonte and you go, oh, he's 95 years old you know, let's induct him while he's still with us.
1: Yeah. And I guess also like like slightly marginal, like marginal in terms of genre, like a little too country, mm-hmm. a little too, wh- however the categories get sliced or the, you know, some of the folk stuff, the gospel, the folk stuff comes in that door. Bill Monroe, Jimmy, Ro- you know, Jimmy Rogers.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think, I believe Jimmy Rogers was inducted that that first year yeah. uh, and cause he, he was often cited by, The king himself, Elvis, Mm. among other, I want to say like Dylan too. Like if you, it really felt like, especially in the beginning, if you had Bruce, Dylan, Elvis, Johnny Cash, like one of those big names cite you as an influence that really felt like college. The thing is,
1: if you had asked, sorry, if you had asked Bruce, if you just put those four people up there, Bruce, Dylan, Johnny Cash, Elvis, they were the ones who decided influences. Actually, you'd end up having a lot more black women. (laughs) <laughs> <In Morocco. laughs> because Johnny Cash would have talked about Rosetta Tharpe, Bruce Springsteen would have talked about the, sh- you know, the, the girl groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, well, and speaking of the girl groups, I mean,
2: is there kind of like an argument? Have, I know that there's many of the girl groups that were skipped over and missed. And yeah. um, this might be also a good way to kind of rectify that as well.
0: I think it will be. You think so? I just don't see, I mean, the similar problem we're talking about, it's like slightly different, but you put the Marvelettes on a ballot, they're not going to be able to compete.
1: Wait, oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. The Marvelettes are not inducted?
0: No, they've been on the ballot twice, but they haven't been on the ballot since 2015. And they seem like a real oversight. And we're getting to a point, like if we're inducting, 70s artists as early influence like this is probably going to be the category where the Marvelettes or the Chantelles or the Shangri-Las wind up
1: you have the Beatles and Bruce Springsteen partly because of the Marvelettes <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it's if you talk about the canonical the super canonical figures it's really hard to think about like why that's that's crazy too and the, a lot of those women are alive and still performing mm-hmm they're around they're to get their their garlands they're ready for them yes
0: you know the like i said the Marvelettes have they were nominated twice 2013 2015 oddly enough you'd think they would have been on the ballot
2: yeah that earlier seems quite than late that. yeah
0: and i mentioned the chantelles they've been on the ballot 2002 2010 and i'll just list off the other, because that's the other thing is that artists who've been nominated before, who I think could fit, as I'm looking at six time nominee Chuck Willis. Jesse! Yeah, right. They nominated a lot in the early days and just couldn't get through. Johnny Ace, Esther Phillips, Mary Wells, Billy Warden as Dominoes, Link Ray. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. Link Ray. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And it just it just never happened, and some of these were only on the ballot once or, or twice, and then they never came up again. Like Esther Phillips and Mary Wells were both on the ballot in 1987, and then wow. never <gasps> oh again. Oh my
2: God, so early! Oh my gosh! And then that's it. I'm like Mary Wells, someone I've heard of. You know what I mean? Like, dang. Mm-hmm.
0: The the first lady of Motown, I think, is is what, yeah. what they called her.
1: Nothing you can take and weird like entropy i don't know what it is where people you begin to you joe you have this memorized you know whatever this you probably dream about like you know all the, <laughs> but you start to assume like oh that's clearly already in i don't even have to think about that unless you have like the whole chart in front of you mm-hmm. and then you kind of think wow these are kind of interesting oversights
0: yeah that's why they need me at the <laughs> nominating committee get me in the room
1: um, you know i don't know what produced cotton but at least with rosetta tharp there was this cultural momentum mm-hmm. you know and the internet really helped to popularize her because the video of her we don't have that many hours of it
2: mm-hmm. but
1: the video of her that we do have at least four or five songs it's like so fantastic that all you have to do is show it to someone and it makes and sense like so I think. Duh. You know, YouTube really helped her circulate. And also because the videos, even if they're poor quality, you know, you, you can watch her play the guitar. It doesn't even matter if the sound sucks. You see what she's doing. And so it communicates something immediately. And I think there was so such power to the video. Libba Cotton doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, So she's different. But I think with Rosetta Tharp, it was like, that was easy. People were, you could see the clicks. You could see the number of views on YouTube exponentially start changing after a certain time. That helps. You know, what we need is like a cultural campaign around some of these, you know, (laughs) or someone needs to do a biopic. Yeah.
0: Thinking along the lines of interesting footage to propel an induction, screaming jay hawkins came to mind
1: right Mm -hmm. because
0: he was you know kind of one of the first shock performance artists you know with like a bone through his nose and you know coming out of a coffin (laughs) to this thing i put a spell on you i put a spell on you is
2: alice cooper in the rock hall
0: yeah he got in and then
2: screaming jay hawkins is not okay
0: well you know it was uh, uh, from what Bob Merlis told us, who was on the nominating committee, when they were talking about Kiss, he was like, no Alice Cooper before Kiss, but really it should have been no Screaming Jay Hawkins Screamin before Hawkins. Alice Cooper. Yeah, You know, you, you keep going back, but they, they yeah. stopped at Alice. And Screaming Jay Hawkins wasn't, you know, necessarily like a early, you know, pre-rock act, but like this is where if you were 50s, 60s, this is this is where you go now. And, you know, same with, you know, kind of Big Mama. She could have been inducted as a performer in those early classes, but Big Mama is like, she's the one.
2: She is such a huge oversight that I cannot.
0: If I got a ticket to just like put someone through early influence, I'm just shocked she's never come up.
1: Really? She's never come up?
0: Never on any of those ballots in the early days. And then like now you would put her in early influence, but it's just not. We haven't seen it. I don't know what. You maybe know, maybe this, this Elvis, Elvis biopic.
2: I hate to freaking say it. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, you know what? For all Elvis took from black women, maybe it's time he finally gives a little something back.
0: Against his will, after his against
2: death. his will <laughs> after his death, and without his consent or permission, which also means I mean, against his will. Well, <laughs> well big
0: big mama was pretty vocal about how she did not feel like Elvis really gave also, up the credit
1: Janice Joplin you know I, there's other people who,
0: mm-hmm. who and she she did ...talked about her she I mean Janice took Big mama like on the road and stuff and yeah. I know that...
1: so I you know again it's like if you had asked some of these artists you know they would insist I imagine Janice Joplin would have insisted on that that's a weird one you know the I, it, that's a weird bad oversight. One thing I can say, cause I've teach this stuff in a classroom is, you know, that again, there's not a lot of great footage. Mm-hmm. There's actually not a lot of great footage of big mama Thornton mm-hmm. and, you know, for a, a world now where, you know, you have to go right to the internet and find the information that you need. There's not as much of her, um, that was recorded or the footage of her doing hound dog, is in like a European TV show. And so it's kind of canned. You know, she's also mm. touring Europe, right? And um, in the blues gospel RB tours of the late 50s and, and, and 60s. So, you know, they're kind of weirdly staged performances. Mm-hmm. The performers are kind of put up there as a little bit like naives rather than as sophisticated entertainers. But again, I, I you know, I, I don't know, but I think you're right. I think the Elvis biopic might, you get a, a bunch of young people saying, I didn't know about this person, mm-hmm. they don't. Why would they know? It's, you know, a hundred years old to them. You know, my parents had said to me that my parents are in their eighties and they said, Gail, did you know that there was this person, big mama something who did the song that Elvis did? What? And like, yeah, I knew that. But you know, like, I don't know. They don't, they didn't know that. I, most people don't know that.
0: Yeah, how, how would they, you know, right. unless, how would unless they, know they were that? interested in, and right. looked into it. A, sometimes it takes a cultural moment. I mean, we haven't talked about this and this is kind of off topic, but I think Kate Bush is getting into the rock hall next yeah. year. Yeah,
2: oh my God, I just was thinking about that. I was thinking about that this week, Joe. Do you know running up, that, running, running up that, up hill that Hill is like the number one song. Number in...
0: four on the Hot 100. Yeah, like not maybe. just, it's we might be looking at Outcast and Kate Bush getting in well, next and, oh
1: year. Oh my year. God. If the wrong oh wants anyone who's under 50 to pay any attention, you know, they're going to have to start thinking about this stuff.
0: Yeah, well,
2: And, you know, the best part about it is that she released a statement, you know, yeah. a classic notes app statement. She Love did. That. Yeah.
0: I saw she's going to do an interview, which <gasps> that alone is like. <laughs>
2: it's
1: amazing.
0: News, big news. If like within now and the time the ballots come out, she and big boy released the music they've been working on i don't know it's just <laughs> it could really be be something uh yes I, I did and not i agree. really
2: hope that that music is good too yeah <laughs> like
0: boy yeah, right.
2: big boy oh boy you know <laughs> i'm i'm ai have enjoyed some of big boys like side projects that he's done with other, other artists he did one with fantagram oh, liked some of the, those songs and stuff. So I, and I think he's very talented. And of course I love Kate Bush and I love outcast and I just, you know, I hope that, that this moment lives up to its potential, you Mm -hmm. know?
0: Yeah. But back, back on topic, you know, I just, I just want to put out there a few more names that were from the early days, not exactly pre-rock, but probably fit in this category now and have never been nominated when Seymour Stein would come on our show he would always talk about Ivory Joe Hunter. He would talk mm-hmm. about the Clovers, and he would talk mm-hmm. about Connie Francis. Mm. Uh, he also he also would talk about the last time he was on the show. We talked about Pat Boone, and we were like, "No, oh, okay,
2: okay, interesting. He, this Pat might Boone? be the last time you're on our show. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of important." I know, know,
0: I know, and he, he, he certainly he made he made a good argument. Yeah, he, just, he seems so not rock and no. roll oh. to me. Oh. <laughs> I asked actually our Twitter followers who they thought should be in, and a lot of the names that I mentioned already came up. As did you know, Dick Dale.
2: Mm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is
0: a, a strange omission, and he could fit in this category. Sad, he was with us until a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, and we could have included him, and you know it would have meant something because I know his final years were not easy. He was ill and still on the road because he had to be that and kind of thing. He had to perform, oh. yeah. But also, you know, Johnny Burnett and the Rock and Roll Trio. You know, an interesting one is Odetta. If if you kind of look on the on the folk side of things, as we do with this category.
1: Well, Billie in. Yeah. Libba Cotton's in. Bob Dylan's in.
0: Yeah, it, it feels a like diagram mm-hmm. of Odetta. You know, overlap. Yeah. Absolutely. And then there's also the, there's the craftwork Gil Scott Heron style inductions, mm-hmm. especially craftwork like putting an artist. Like who been,
2: we're going to see next weekend <laughs> live.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, we are seeing work. We are
2: seeing, or That's in two cool. weeks. In a few yeah. weeks.
0: And I'm very excited. It's going to be 3D. But what I mean is like craftwork were on the ballot six times. And then it just was like, we need to get them in somehow. Let's use early influence. Musical excellence tends to be the catch-all for artists that can't get in through the normal means, but like MC five and New York dolls, you could, you could position them as punk early influences, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, And I
2: think they will be positioned in that way soon. I guess to me, I'm like, before we, do all this newfangled inducting i'm like let's really pay homage to the people who are really going to get left behind when we start modernizing this category even i and i just mean like literally like doo-wop singers of the 40s and 50s you know like like that kind of style also you know leslie gore someone who we've talked about Mm. before I think she yeah. has a early influence argument to be made. It's just like almost anybody from the mid sixties and before could just kind of like, they could do just a big old sweep, a big old induction, you know? And mm-hmm. like, there could be like a fun package about it. Maybe a big tribute performance to all of these artists, maybe almost through the decades from the, you know, 1890s through the sixties <laughs> or whatever, you know, however they want to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right. I mean, like there's, you know, the, the golden gate don't
2: quartet. Or like yeah. all
0: these like vocal groups, the penguins, like just mm-hmm. going back, there is so much work to be done probably prior to 1940. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. And we're, we're already moving the, the, the goalposts into the, 60s and 70s that's
1: exactly and this this um this pressure that i'm sure the people who have to make these decisions feel but also the weird social pressure on the artist like somehow if you get to the part where you're you're eligible like it's some insult to you if you're not in the first like this weird expectation that the best thing is to get inducted the first year you're eligible. Because it really exactly, it kind of perpetuates this presentism and we just get away from like, we just leave all the all of it behind.
0: But luckily we're the only people who are paying attention to when people become eligible. <laughs> yeah. We're also the only people paying attention to who gets in which category. Like nobody knows LL Cool J got into a side category last year. That's just, uh, you know, people get inducted and yeah. then they're considered inducted. He you was know,
1: musical excellence. He was. Yep.
0: Because he was just, it was clear he was not getting in through the ballot. And He had been
2: nominated six times, yeah, seven times? Six.
0: You know, and all, I guess all we ask is that these inductees get some time at the ceremony. We know it's not going to be a lot. It's kind of a bummer that Charlie Patton, he just got a kind of dirgy performance from Gary Clark Jr. and nothing else. You didn't really get a sense of who he was and why he was important. Uh, and so, you know, that's really all we can ask. And things like... And again, I know Kristen hates the phrase to the Hall's credit, Mm -mm. but something like Elizabeth Cotton is without a doubt, like it is raised her profile, just the announcement, let alone whatever the induction will look like. It's, you know, you highlight artists. That's what this category should do to get people to know about these artists that they wouldn't have known about otherwise. You know, it seems like there's always one of someone who, definitively was from the pre-rock era that we can say that this induction helped to shine a light on their life and music any closing thoughts gail
1: no so next year we're going to be or next year you're going to be talking to someone about big mama thornton Let's hope so.
0: Hope so. Right. yeah bringing it, it in
1: to reality. Right. Like we yeah. can put it, we can like put the flag in the ground now that you know this is the prediction. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely been predicting her uh, positive
1: thinking every year.
0: Positive thinking, Gail. I. Thank you so much for joining us. This was really great.
1: Thank you. It was nice to talk to both of you. Yes.
0: And I want to give you the opportunity. I know you have some writing out there that people should check out. Certainly the Sister Rosetta Tharp book. Here's your opportunity to plug away.
1: No, I'll plug away the Sister Rosetta Tharp book coming out in a new edition from Beacon in 2023 with a new preface and a new afterword that kind of tells the story from 2007 to yesterday. Ooh. And Ooh. the name
0: of that book is shout sister shout, "Shout sister shout." Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, look out for that. The untold story is, has become told, <laughs> and Gail will continue untold to tell story. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Told um, once again.
0: And of course, our listeners know they can follow us at Rockwell on Twitter and Instagram. Rockwellpod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see that, you need to designate that somewhere in your message. Otherwise, I'm not going to send it. She doesn't want to read it. Chicago, folks, we have live dates. I will be at the Lincoln Lodge on the 29th of June at 7.30. That is a Wednesday. It'll be stand up and other stuff. And Kristen, you'll be at the.
2: I'll be at paper the Paper machete. machete on July 9th at 3 o'clock at the Green Mill. Midwest, show Midwest. up,
0: um, and of course, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusu Kim for the music, and thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala.
2: I'm Kristen Studdard.
0: And who cares
2: about the Rock Hall?